So do you think the new Laura Croft movie is actually going to be any good? Unfortunately, no. I, I just, I don't think it's the actress's fault or the director's fault or the writer's fault. I just think it's going to culminate in it. They're going to try, but I mean, Michael Fassbender couldn't make Assassin's Creed, an Assassin's Creed movie good. So, That's and true. I love me some Fassbender. So it's, I don't know. I think they just played too hard on the real life aspect of Assassin's Creed movie as opposed to the cool part which is the walking around through ancient times and meeting historical figures. The real part of Assassin's Creed? There was no real part of Assassin's Creed. The entire real, game wasn't the real. The real part when you're in Abstergo walking around in your hoodie and sweat jeans and then you plug into the Matrix and go back in time. Like, that's a boring part. Just give us history. Like, you could have played the whole movie up to the last third, like, we are just in ancient times, living this man's life, and all of a sudden have a crazy shift of perspective where you realize you've been in a projection this whole time, and the guy didn't realize he's in a projection. And Yeah, he slowly kind of gotten a little bit more crazy about it but uh the you know maybe th- thing is too is I, I i think i think that statement goes more so on the tomb raider one because tomb raider has kind of gotten more realistic more gritty and they're that's what the way they're going for is with uh, with this new adaptation is that I don't know, maybe if they had given Michael Fassbender a polygon chest, I would have been more interested. <laughs> polygon boob. <laughs> He's Aaron. She's Elizabeth. And, and we're, we're married, married to the, the idea. idea. Where we take a look at movies, pop culture, television shows, books, and everything in between. And then fight about it until one of us emerges victorious from the ashes like a fiery phoenix. No, that's that's not the case. We usually agree on most everything. Two may enter, one may leave. <laughs> well, I'm excited to talk today about uh, some animated movies because I love me some animated movies. I've never been of the camp that they are not... That they have to be just for children. Or even that that means that they have to be lower in quality because they're for children. You should give your children the very best stuff to watch. Inspire them. Absolutely. And uh, actually, Jack Whitehall, the stand-up comedian that we love, just had a bit about The uh, Lion King. And Lion King is by no means my favorite Disney movie. But, but it's good. It's good. I cannot uh, protest its quality. And he's like... Like, basically, he's like, oh, I really... They were talking about, oh, I really love The Lion King. And and then someone was like, The Lion King? Isn't that a kid's film? <laughs> you know, it's just animated Shakespeare. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Lion King was the first Disney animated movie that my mom saw that she actually really liked. Like, you know, before it was just, take your kids to the movies. No, no, no. But Lion King, we got to see that in theaters, and she's like, "That was a really good movie." So, and there and there have been movies since you know, uh, you could even say with the the Disney Renaissance, you know, there have been people who have tried to produce quality entertainment for children, and then of course there's the Emoji Movie in you know that train of thought, but there there is still quality entertainment. There's not a middle finger big enough. For my disdain for the Emoji Movie. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about the Emoji Movie. That's been no. talked to death. You know it's bad. We're going to do yeah. something different, actually. We're going to talk about a Pixar movie ripping off another movie. And oh, that's strange. Pixar ripping off someone. So there, there has been 
I don't even think there was a controversy, which is why I really want to talk about it. Uh, no, there wasn't. There when, wasn't at all. When Inside Out came out, people said, oh, it's Herman's head. It's this. It's Osmosis Jones. They've they've done this concept before. It's, ex- you know, and Pixar says it, well, we brought something new to it. That's how we get away with it, quote unquote. We, we brought something new and better to the idea and the concept. But um, the very first time that I saw the trailer for this Pixar movie... I got real heebity-jeebity because not only were they ripping off something else that was an animated kids movie, it was something that was really recently an animated kids movie. Yeah. Something that seemed too recent to be coincidental. And that's and that's the thing too is like we I think we you and I both looked at each other when we saw the preview and we're like so nervous. Are you kidding? So nervous. come on, Pixar. And we were and both you and I were like we were real hesitant to go and watch it. Your brothers wanted to go and watch it, so we're like, okay, we'll take them. You know, this is the best reason to go. Plus, movie pass hashtag movie pass. <laughs> uh, if they want to sponsor us, I'll take movie it in a heartbeat. Pass liked your last post that was so cool i said movie i mentioned movie pass our in my, season uh, two opener our first episode of season two we added, added i don't even know i don't know slang that the youth speak we tagged and. movie movie pass in the post and they liked your post they i'm surprised because they you did it too and they didn't like they your didn't post. like mine i i i have nothing to say as an internet commentator apparently so i have no uh, clout <laughs> but yeah that was really cool maybe i'll reach out to me like hey so you liked my post maybe a sponsorship can come in handy we would definitely talk about the greatness of movie pass i can't imagine how much movie pass is going to change the game I know that I have seen more movies in a month than I saw in a year because of Movie Pass. And the, like, and you guys saw with our last, uh, uh, our last episode. Oh, movie we saw, after we, movie. We, we, we saw four, at least four movies, and I can promise you, two of those movies I probably wouldn't have seen, would have wanted to, but never would have checked out. And um, you know, it's getting to a point where it's like. I have no idea how the industry makes any money that way, but boy, is it great for the viewer. It is so, it is so viewer based. I love it so much. And, and we, we continue now. We're like, well, we've got the movie pass. What movie do you want to go see today? You know, like, do we want to go? And then, and then now, uh, our, uh, local theater for those of you who listen to us who aren't Knoxville based, which is probably all of one of you, um, <laughs> that, uh, they're actually opening up, redoing, renovating a theater, which it, it's been needing this for the longest time anyways, but it's renovating a theater to now be a, a restaurant one where like you order beforehand and then they bring you the food and then you watch the movie. Like, and I'm like, this is exactly what this needed. I had no idea that such a thing existed that was, um... Not brandable, but that exists in that platform in multiple locations while maintaining the same brand, like franchising. There are I, I there think are it's places. Fairly new for Regal. I th- our I favorite thing that uh, I do in Asheville is go to the Asheville Brewing Company because it's a beer place, it's a pizza place, and the back is a movie theater where food is brought to you. You can eat anything you want in there. It's all comfy couches and seats <laughs> and little low lights. And it's not something that you could replicate unless you had like a, a like this regal plan seems to be, and I'm yeah. looking forward to doing that. I'm interested to see what they do with it. I'm also I'm hoping it doesn't change their kind of um, their their business plan either because they're the theater that you go and watch the 
uh, the weirder kind of movies, like the one-offs or the one-night onlys, um, like the other Regal that we have in town, the Pinnacle, which is the big Regal uh, theater uh, in town. Yeah, and sometimes they have events, but usually the Fathom events are through Fathom, the, the mall movie theater. We yeah. see every Rift Track special there. We try to see every Rift Track special. We try to. And, and while Movie Pass doesn't cover that, I would happily spend, you know, $12, $12 a person or $15 a person to watch that. We do already. <laughs> to, because I'm already not paying money to watch other movies. So it works out. But. Um, with, so with having this movie pass, we're a lot easier to say, oh yeah, we'll take them. Yeah. Just give us the money for the, uh, the, the tickets and we'll go. Yeah. We liked movie pass so much. We got them for both of our sets of parents, a three month pass for them to try it out themselves. Uh, I think the next thing for them to do is to figure out how to get a family pass. Because oh, I can tell you already they're, they're, they're looking at it cause they sent me a, uh, um, like an email for, uh, 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 a survey and i can already tell you that they're they're looking at how they can expand Good. i don't know when they will or how they will or what the price i cannot say it's anything. the american family that needs to be a regular movie goer again it's become too expensive for them to do that so that's yeah well, i mean look on. at your parents so um you know four children you know under the age of 18 and it's um with one about to turn 18 but still it's it gets expensive to take people out to the movies um, but you know, then with this now with them, they can, they can go watch movies and that already saves them, you know, and they're usually the more expensive ones. So it saves them that money. Mm-hmm. So, so for our comparison today, do you want to go point by point and then deliver the final blow? Or do we want to come out of the gate and say which one we liked better? Oh no, let's go point by point. And so what you guys have seen from the, the title card, um, it's, it is Coco, um, obviously, uh, versus a movie called Book of Life. And um, I always, whenever I say the title, I have to say it first in my head because I always say Book of Love, which is the Peter Gabriel song that you and I danced their first dance to in the wed- at the wedding. <laughs> um, but the the Book of Life um, is an, an, a, was it DreamWorks or was it something else? Boy, we really should know these things before we get into these podcast episodes, Aaron. I will look this up. Well, uh, Coco was by Pixar. It came out this year. If you haven't seen it, we will be doing spoilers. Yeah. Um, Some it's movies, been... we've got a couple movies coming up that I'm not going to want to spoil because they're lesser known. But because it is a Pixar movie, I feel like many people have already seen it and we can be confident in talking about plot points. Especially certain story ticks, which I think are important and worth discussing. Yeah, and th- that's something else too. Is this has been out for long enough that I would hope that people will have watched it for either of them, in all honesty. But um, mostly because that Coco is Coco just won the Golden Globes yes, for did. best animated movie, which we'll, I don't agree with. We'll talk about what we really think the winners should be in our next episode. Um, but the reason we're comparing the two. Isn't because one is less known than the other, but because the Book of Life also deals almost entirely with the concept of death in Mexican culture, where there is a land of the forgotten, a land of the remembered, a day of the dead where the uh, living and the dead can pass through um, from side to side, that 
our loved ones never truly leave us. These are themes that explore in both of these movies. And that's why we were so nervous when we saw the first trailer. Because if you remember the first trailer for Coco was about this young boy in a graveyard that then crosses over when he plays a guitar and and become finds his way into the land of the dead. Uh, in, in addition to having that connection, the Mexican heritage, Aaron, if you're still looking, we have the DVD right there on the wall. You can just go look at it. No, I'm just trying to figure out who um, distributed it. Exactly. We could just look at the DVD but that, on the that wall. That would require me of getting up, whereas I'm looking at it on my phone. Oh, we aren't getting up tonight. We are. We are all scrunched in on the sofa. We ain't getting up. In addition to the idea of the dead and that culture in Mexico, there's also an element of music. Pixar usually does go for the uh, songs in their... You know, I take that back. A lot of Pixar movies don't have songs per se, but Coco focuses on a young boy who wants to be a musician and his family who doesn't want that life for him. Uh, Book of Life is also has songs interwoven and sung by uh, one of our main protagonists throughout the movie, which is uh, both original songs and re- and fun remakes of current pop songs. Yeah, and see, like... But, and that's the idea, too. Um, again, a similar theme, music. And... Well, music no- as being your, your escape from what you've been told you have to be. Exactly. Like in um, the Book of Life, again, he wants to be a singer, but his family doesn't want that life for him. Again, there are real... He comes from a family of matadors. Yeah. So what we're going to try and look at today is why they're so similar and if it's okay that it is, is it ripping off the first movie? Is it told better here? Um, And if both are still worthwhile because of that. Um... So I guess um, let's let's talk about the music first because the music is such a big part of both of the movies. But in reality, while it is, it's not at the same time. Like I would actually argue that it's a bigger part of Coco than it is of the Book of Life. It's a big part of both of them, but at the same time, it's also kind of like a set piece for them. It's interwoven, but you could pull it out and it the movie would still, or both of the movies would still be strong. Well, then you're saying that they're both equally as important, the music. Um, I, I find Coco, the music in Coco to be a little stronger, a little bit more closer to the story. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. There's, there's something, because the main character in Coco sings about four or five times in the movie at the minimum. Right. Whereas in the book of life, he really only sings about two or three times at the most. He has one really big song near the end and it, and it it's really nice, but you see him more kind of play guitar and sing a couple chords and maybe that's it. Well, that's the main character of Coco too. He plays the guitar just as often. I think at this point we're honestly splitting hairs they both incorporate music really similarly as a means of escape from a way of life that a family has through generation upon generation said. 
in Coco, the reason that they don't have music in their lives is because of a, a man who left that family behind because of his music career. And so no more would music be allowed. Um, they don't play it. They try to present it in a really positive way as in, you know, she was sad about that, but then she buckled down and she started a shoe company and she provided for her family and now they have a great legacy here and everyone works together and there's a great sense of family, um, but they are not happy about uh, the boys seeing or playing or musical ambitions. In the Book of Life, uh, it's a family of matadors, generation upon generation of matadors who all have fought the bull and our main, uh, one of our main protagonists does not want to kill the bull. He doesn't want that kind of life, but he does want to please his family and so he trains really hard to become a really great matador. So, and I think it has to do with age too. Our protagonist of Coco is a young boy, early teens if. Yeah, like, and, like 12, like. 12 13 range and the and the one of the the protagonists start off as that age in the beginning of the book of life but the majority of the story is told when they are adults when they've all reconvened in this small town and and let's uh, let's also kind of approach this too um coco is presented straightforward it's you're seeing the story kind of as it unfolds Whereas in the Book of Life, it has the framing device of being a story being told by a museum uh, uh, or tour guide uh, showing uh, a group of young children. I appreciate that because thinking back when Book of Life came out, which was 2013, if I remember? 2014. 2014. It's a good thing to have. It's a good handy thing to have. When you think about even just four years ago, there were not many movies told from different cultural uh, viewpoints as there are today. It's become much more important even over the course of four years. Yeah, like, and, especially with one of the movies that we want to talk about soon. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I, I honestly, I didn't realize I was that blind about this culture. And, you know... I, I feel like I knew a little bit about Mexican culture, but the, both of these movies showed that I did not know that much. Well, Book of Life presents it as modern-day kids going to museum and this museum tour guide telling them about the heritage and culture of Mexico, as in the Day of the Dead, the Land of the Dead of the Remembered, of the Forgotten, of the two main, of the three main gods, as it were, that rule rule over those lands. And again, it's a whole idea is that it's a book of life. And I like that idea. I like what it does because it instructs an audience that may have not been familiar with that in any capacity. I I knew about Day of the Dead a while ago. But I knew that not everyone knew about Day of the Dead. Yeah, that that one's an in, uh, that's very much an American institution of knowing, thinking, oh, just Mexican Halloween. When it's so much more than that, like even Halloween is so much more than what we make it out to be nowadays. But... I'd say Day of the Dead is more like Mexican Thanksgiving. If I had to pick a holiday, um, Mexican Thanksgiving mixed with Halloween, mixed with like a Remembrance and Memorial and like Veterans Day, you know, like some like where it's it's about remembering the past and 
honoring your family and it it goes so much deeper and even still we're not even scratching the surface now we haven't even gotten to big stuff (laughs) two two suburb kids talking about the importance of day of the dead how much more white can we get Mm -hmm. but that's why i like the device as it's set up for book of life because it's there to show you we're going to tell you, you're going to learn more, and it's okay. We're going to walk you through it, and we're going to convey it through these characters in a book. That way, there's that nice level of separation where you're allowed to even suspend your disbelief further, because it's a story. Inside a story. It, it, it's um, it's it's a fairy tale. It's kind of like Princess Diaries, you know, where you have the, the grandpa telling his grandson this story. You mean the Princess Bride? What did I say? You said Princess Diaries. The Anne oh, Hathaway man. classic. I'm sorry. I meant, <laughs> I absolutely meant uh, uh, Princess Bride. I, I'm sorry. Did not mean Princess Diaries. Uh, but yeah, but it's, it's like, it's in all honesty, a fairy tale. Um, almost kind of like Kubo in a way, you know, like mm. how that one was almost a fairy tale, but it wasn't, they didn't have like a framing device of someone telling a story. It had a story and stuff like that, but um but it was with having this framing device of this the tour guide telling the kids the the story of the you know the book of life or whatever so we have similar setups and settings for both these movies because both of them start in the quote unquote real world and then through circumstances and the conflict being set into motion go to the land of the dead to continue to achieve the goal there are different reasons for that um in in uh, sorry you can come and think about kubo now in coco (laughs) it is a young boy trying to turn his back and what his family wants for him thinking he knows best i know what i want to do with my life i want to become a great musician and I'll do whatever it takes to get that, even stealing this man's guitar. Because then I, I know I could be great if someone would just give me a chance. And my my family doesn't understand me, which yeah. was so like, oh dear, we're we're let's, getting close to uncomfortable levels here. Uh, whininess, but well, let's let's uh, let's take a quick step back and keep talking about the uh, the land of the dead because um, in uh, and I actually I have to say in Book of Life it was underused. Because they had these kind of cool visuals, and and you can definitely tell that Coco took a page out of their book and were like, you know what, let's explore on this. Because with Coco, two-thirds of the movie is in The Land of the Dead, whereas with Book of Life, it's like a fourth at the most. You know, you say that, but I feel like it has a greater presence within the arc of the story. Um, it, yeah, because it's, because again it's not used as much therefore it's it it shows um or it has more time or not even more time but it shows okay hey we're 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 showing you all of this because it's important not because it just happens to be set piece oh i think the idea is that we're showing the connection between the real world and the land hereafter in the Book of Life more than in Coco. Because in Coco, we're following one protagonist. In Book of Life, we're following three protagonists, not yeah. all of whom who are dead. Yeah, the, the, the main, there is one main character, two very main secondary characters, like just a half step below them. But there's one main character in Book of Life. Very true. I mean, we follow his perspective the yeah. most often. 
Okay, you want to talk about design work? Let's talk about the art director behind Book of Life because he's super influential as far as depiction of Mexican culture. Um, he is the same guy who worked on Nickelodeon's animated show El Tigre, which is a great show. If you've ever so seen, zany. if you've ever seen his art style, you you will recognize it. He has a way of creating faces and eyes. Uh, Jorge Gutierrez. Yep. He has a great way of, especially with Book of Life, he is working with puppets, basically. So everything is angular joints. Like little wooden ones, like almost like action figures in a way. Yeah, and he has a great sense of color. When we get to the Land of the Dead, it's a giant party, and we see all these huge high-rises and flotillas and this one giant path that leads into the city. Again, if I didn't say which one I was talking about, you could say that for both of them. It gets yeah. so eerie at points. Like, it, it's, again, I definitely feel like the people who did Coco had a lot of influences from this movie. And... Uh, please understand too we're not going to just sit here and point out the similarities there there are differences and in after seeing both mo having watched both movies i would actually say that they are not the same movie i would say the setting is the same and the, the almost the setup or the concept is similar but there is there are some striking differences yeah if this was a I think the intriguing part is the similarities. If these were movies that just visually looked similar and told completely different stories, there would be less to say. The fact that these are both stories that center heavily on family, on following your heart, on... Following your own path. On ancestors and those who are dead not being forgotten... They're, they're hitting the same thematic points again and again and again, which is why it's so important, I think, to talk about them. This isn't just a matter of it just took the skin and put it over it. Yeah. There are, there are deep-seated things that keep popping up in both of these, which are worthwhile. Um, I will say I can tell that they both, both movies are trying really hard to give a honest and beautiful interpretation of mexican culture i would agree um and i'm gonna look up who who directed um coco but the uh, the visual styles are different enough that i don't feel like they one copied the other they have similar with the kind of the dark shadows and really really bright colors um the creation of of everyone being a skeleton, uh, all like all bones underneath their clothes, uh, both work that way, just like sugar skulls. Yeah. Uh, there but you is hate sugar skulls, don't you? Oh, no, I hate them. That's just kidding. They have both of them work with the idea of neons and really bright electrified colors. Yeah. The, the, like I said, um, very, um, if it's, if it's not meant to be seen as more of a background or something like that, very deep blues and purples. Um, but if it's meant to be seen, there's a lot of yellows and warms to kind of help the, the, it's not like hugely contrasting, but it's contrasted in the right ways. Mm -hmm. There is wonderful design work in both. And I'm going to talk about the highlights for both of them. 
For me, the fav my favorite design work in Coco was the spirit animals that everyone has. Of course. There is this wonderful jaguar with wings that is green and pink and yellow, and it looks like every amazing unicorn dream you've ever had if you're a girl. It's like everything all rolled up into one. <laughs> so fantastic, so fun. Um, and then in Book of Life, it's actually our two gods are uh, De La Muerta, who is um, the... Zibalba. And Zibalba. Um, they no, both... it's Zibalba and... Um... And, De, and De, De La Muerta. There's two of them. One is the, uh, the, the bad guy, if you're going to play it that way, but more of a Hades figure ruling over the land of the forgotten, of those people who are no longer remembered on the altars of the living. And, the, and De La Muerta, who is uh, the Lady of Death, who is the land of the remembered, the bright festive place. Um, they both have really cool designs. Uh, as Evolve has these... La Muerte. La Muerte, yeah. De La Muerte. Um, La Muerte yeah. is her name. Okay, boy. Someone is very particular on pronunciation tonight. Very, considering someone who didn't know... Dia de la Muerta is the day of the dead. I meant Dem de la Muerta. Madame de la Muerta. I'm uh, sorry, yeah. I didn't... M Madame's not the same thing as in uh, It's not in the Spanish. same. It's not the same, but you know who yes. I meant. Uh, yeah, she she rules over the land of, land of the remembered, and then he rules over the land of the forgotten. She has this great big wide sombrero that has candles all around the edge of it. Oh, yeah. And this crazy dress with these golden flowers on it. And then he's dripping tar and greens and these scaly wings. And voiced by Ron Perlman. I know. Ah, oh, so good. Uh, and they have... And again, these characters don't exist in Coco. In Coco, the people kind of patrol themselves in this afterlife. And, and it's almost like a government. Yes. Instead of like a god system, like a deity system. Yeah. And then uh, in Book of Life, they kind of set the pitch in motion where they each pick a young boy who they think will win this young girl's heart. In a very um, Sinbad, the animated Sinbad sort of way, where these gods and goddesses are very high up, like... You know, what kind of trouble can we stir up on Earth? Because we can do anything, but it's much more fun to toy with humans and see what choices they make because yeah. of that consequence. They're so bored, this is how they are this spending they their time. <laughs> they make a bet uh, that uh, which boy will win the girl's heart. Because um, they're all friends. Yeah. Which I think is really sweet. It's really, really charming to have it happen that way because at the end... We know who she wants to pick, but it doesn't mean she's not friends with the other boy, too. It's never like, well, we were both fighting over you, and I won your heart. They try very hard to make sure that we realize that she is her own. She's played by Zoe Saldana. Of course. And they make sure to let us know that she is uh, independent as much as she can be back in um, older Mexican times, I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, like pre-electricity times um whereas with coco it's maybe like 90s early millennium kind of era because there's like vhs's but they're old there's um there's it's not like an ipod era era but it's not but again hard to tell because of 
the country's taking place in and the family's yeah. standing, hard to say, honestly. But they're not like, um, they're not they're like not, They're not impoverished, or, no. Yeah. Just the idea they're, of that culture and that community. True. And they're, 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 it's not like a cut-off com- cut community, but it is one that's not necessarily like got its finger on the pulse of uh, mm-hmm. what's hip, if you will. Um, but with... Uh, so Zoe Zaldana plays the adult uh, female character. Uh, Channing Tatum plays one of the guys, <laughs> and he does a decent job. He he's not stiff, but he's not real personable either. Well, it's, he plays the role he's given. He plays the role of like the pompous guy who he's not Gaston though. Like he's I was not, expecting no. to be like, oh, I am the best. He's like, haha, I'm the best. But you know, people can be good too. It's like he's very like. He's Personal. charming. Yeah. He's charming. He's Channing Tatum. What exactly. do you expect? <laughs> exactly. Um, and he actually stays friends with the other character, the main character. Yeah, they're all friends, which is great. Yeah, and like even throughout their years, they're they're still friends. Um, one, uh, Channing Tatum went off to join the Mexican army. Um, and of course, uh, the uh, the main character, who's played by Diego Luna in, uh, as an adult, he stays in town, trains with his dad and all this and all that. Now... Here's where here's one of those funny things that I uh with my with my vast movie knowledge and connections and stuff like that. I really always liked Diego Luna. He's I've always found him to be a great actor. I did not like him in Rogue One before people start bringing that up. I love Diego Luna and and then it's just like I hated your character in Rogue One. Probably because he was an asshole. Once I, again, I, also I tell hated, you, Rogue One, you're not supposed to like these characters too much, otherwise it'd be really sad when they die. Yeah, but all the other characters that were a part of Rogue One, I liked so much more. I, even even they still had asshole tendencies. I just did not like the Captain or um, Jin or so. Anyways, uh, one of the first places that I ever saw... Diego Luna was in a great little piece that people, everyone heard of, but no one watched. Was the Terminal with Tom Hanks? And what do Catherine. you mean no one watched? Everyone's seen the Terminal. No, like you ask people, they're like, "Oh yeah, I heard of it, but I never watched it." Oh, that's weird. You should yeah, have watched it. That it's it's a great little movie. Oh, so he's the guy who wants to marry the girl. Yes, and Aww. she's the guy. She's the one behind the counter. That's Zoe Saldana. No one. Hundred percent. Wow. So Diego Luna ends up with Zoe Saldana in not one but two movies. Is that and, saying of something? Is it like Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks? They just are fated to end up together. We gotta have I a, think it, I a think Latina movie. We throw these two yeah. Latino actors together. Terminal is not a Latina movie. No, it is but, not. It is not. But it's still. It's very. It's very. Uh, I thought it was just really funny. But he he did such a good job in that. Um, I want to say I've seen him in something. I saw him in something else too that kind of cemented that. But well, one of your other favorite guys is in Book of Life. Yeah, much 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 smaller role. Um, there's uh, Diego Luna's character has uh, three friends who are mariachi singers, but like like the really bad mariachi singers, like the ones that like don't make any money that actually just like. They'll play a little bit. They're not bad, but, like, they don't make any money. Um, I forget who the, the smallest one is voiced by, but one of them is voiced by um, uh, uh, Cheech, uh, yeah. Marion Cheech. And, uh, or Ch- is it, 
Yeah, Cheech Marion. Tommy Chong and Cheech Marion. I, I, I don't know why I always get him mixed up. Uh, and then the last brother, my love, my heart, Gabriel Iglesias, <laughs> Fluffy! <laughs> Which, even then, that's still funny, too, because yet another movie connection comes from this. Uh, yeah, Magic Mike. Exactly. <laughs> Where he plays bro to Channing Tatum. He plays the, 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 the club announcer. Which, if you've never heard the story of Gabriel Iglesias auditioning and getting the role and then being in Magic Mike, find it on YouTube. The only place I've ever heard it is on Pandora because I have a great uh, stand-up Pandora station. But type in Gabriel Iglesias stand-up, uh, uh, whatever it's called. Magic Mike. Magic Mike. It is so, it's like a seven-minute segment. It's so worth it. Uh, but yeah, Channing Tatum and Gabriel Iglesias are both in this movie too. Mm -hmm. They don't ever talk, so it's not as much of a connection, but it's still there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think for me, how it handles the identity of family is what makes both these movies different than other movies. When... Ariel wants legs and goes on land against Prince Eric and, you know, she wants to collect her stuff and her dad's mean and destroys it all. In the end, without any real convincing from her, he realizes this is what she truly wants and he gives her legs so she can be with her, the guy that she wants to be with. A lot of Disney movies follow the trope of, but parents, you just don't understand. And I'm going to show you until, until I prove to you that, hey, I was right and you were wrong. Um, Book of Life does it in a certain way, in two ways. Our character, by uh, who's played by Diego Luna, he doesn't want to fight and kill the bull. And it's the end, not killing the bull, that saves the day that allows him to go back to the land of the living and his family realizes that and, and and but it's never said that bullfighting is wrong it's just that he doesn't want to fulfill that path he wants to sing and they accept him for that and he accepts them for themselves whereas the character played by um <laughs> magic mike <laughs> uh channing tatum his father was a great general and he wanted to be a general to be like his father too but his father is dead. He's, you know, he, it's just him now. And he realizes there's more to this than fighting. Um, in Coco, a fam the family is again played as that. You just don't understand me. I love my music. You are then told in drips and drabs that it was because the guy left to pursue his music and forgot his family that everyone hates him. But the boy sees it as he wanted to pursue his passion. You should be happy for him. And in the end, uh, he is allowed to sing, but it's only because it turns out, hey, the guy didn't actually leave to pursue his music. He wanted to come back and just died. So it's it's kind of, it feels a little cop-out-y. It does cheapen it, it slightly. It doesn't fight it. Like, like that would have been, like, really hard. How do you resolve that where you he did pursue his passion, he left his family to pursue his passion, um, but his family, you know, did fine without him, but they didn't have him, which is truly the correct path. You can't have it both ways every time. I would have wanted them to actually enforce that. Well, I think what happens is because, and, and obviously there are spoilers. So, I mean, here, if you've not seen Coco, we've not really spoiled much 
at this point. But we there are have been a couple spoilers. But if you've not spoilers watched, back at the beginning, they yeah. know. Because uh, what happens Our fans is you're are smart. Yeah, what happens is you're led to believe throughout the whole thing. Which, in truth be told, I was I I kind of bought it uh, throughout most of it. Did you? Because I called it so fast, and I do not go into movies looking to call things. I like to be swept up. I like to be entertained. I don't like to appear behind the curtain. Aaron likes to appear behind the oh, curtain. Yeah. But the minute. The minute they introduce the character, the singer, I'm like, I call what the twist is to how that character's going to tie in, and then I call the second twist when I realize he's actually not that character, and we we are led to believe from the very beginning, he the young boy really aspires to be like this great um, performer, this great De singer, Cruz. De La Cruz, white suit, white hat, white guitar, and we are led to believe, like, oh, I love him, I love him, I love him, and you think as an audience member... I thought, oh, he's going to be his father. Yeah, or he, a grandfather, like great, great, great. Grand. Sorry, yes, sorry. Great, great grandfather. Because at this point, Coco is, uh, the, the, who the movie's named after, is the woman, uh, is the daughter of that man who left their family all those years ago. And now she's a very, very old. A lot of grandma love in Disney movies recently. We had Moana's grandma, and we have Coco. It's like we're trying to, we're trying to realize that... Our grandmothers are awesome people. We have they have value and importance. Um, so we have uh, the first twist where you realize, oh, this me- this musician he aspires to be. I bet that's his grandpa. And then he finds a picture on the altar of his father torn half away with the guitar that the singer has. Like, oh, he is my father. He goes to confront the family. They're like, he he left. There's a reason we don't talk about. It. He's like, no, no, I'm gonna go do it. Stealing his guitar on the Day of the Dead transports him to the land of the Remembered, uh, where we come across the rest of his family who try to send him back, but he won't go back because he wants to meet who he thinks is his grandfather. And it is at that point that I then said, oh, he's not his grandfather. (laughs) Either that or, no, it was that, he's not his grandfather. And I was looking forward to it because I thought they were going to play it in a completely different way. I thought they were going to say... Oh, he's he's going to realize, wait a minute, you're not my grandson. Oh, but I feel like you're my grandson. I, I've gotten to spend time with you. We're so much alike. I would love to be your grandfather. I thought it was going to be a tale of, like, adoption and your family is oh, more than blood. Yeah. But they went the Hans from Frozen route and said, no, we're actually just going to make him a filthy, murdering bad guy who's also a stealer and a liar. And... Uh, it was then that the second second twist came into play where the the uh, bumbling scrap who's been trying to get to the land of the living all this time and keeps getting stopped because no one remembers him uh, but can sing and dance and has a connection with our main character. That is his actual grandfather. No, that's that's the whole thing. Is, is He is still remembered, but only slightly, and his picture is not up on a mantle so he can't come over to the living. They expand more in... Coco on Day of the Dead customs. They talk about sugar skulls. They talk about the mantle, the altar, where every family's member's portrait from years past is placed. And how important it is that you never forget them and never forget to put their picture up on the mantle. Because if you forget them, that's, they say, they cease to be. And in the land of the remembered... They cease to be! In the land of the remembered, it's literal. We see a character fade away because the last person who knew about them on Earth 
has forgotten about them and they just fade away, which is really sad. And they play on that in Book of Life, but we only ever see the land of the forgotten for a little bit. Um, we don't get to really see a crazy personal connection there. And I do like the fun sort of classist way they create Coco's afterlife. Because Book of Life has a land of the remembered, a land of the forgotten, and that's and that's like just the way it is but it's not a class thing it's not those who are rich get to stay and be remembered and those who are poor is, are left to be forgotten but in coco it is really like that the people who are forgotten live in slums on the edge of the city and yeah, the ones yeah the ones that don't aren't they don't like their their families don't give them any offerings or anything like that or they're like actually poor yeah um there's also something that I, as a privileged white person, did not realize until reading about someone else's experience, and I think that it's may color your opinion of it too. There is a scene at the very beginning of when they go into the afterlife, and the guy who ends up being our protagonist's father is trying to get across. He's trying to get to the land of the living. And he's trying to fool the censors with a picture and he Frito Kala. Yeah, he's trying to he tries to Frito Kala his way into the land of the living. So many Frito Kala jokes, by the way. So if you don't know who she is, you're gonna be very confused by this woman with thick eyebrows, but I think she's enough of a cultural landmark that people understand that. I would hope so. Uh but he tries to get across and he fails, because even if he gets across, he can't make it across the bridge because no one is there to power him to remember to get him across. And I read this article about a young woman who saw this and had terrible flashbacks and memories of when she was at a border with her family and her mother wasn't allowed to come across because of paperwork. And I suddenly realized, boy, I hope they did that on purpose, because that's that. If you're going Powerful. to do it on pur- if you're going to do it on purpose, there's a reason that that imagery works as far as a Mexican culture is concerned. And I don't think that's exactly what they meant, but it's easy to wean that off of it. And I don't think that's a bad thing either. So, like, was it meant to be like, hey, immigration, immigration? No, but it is definitely something like, well, it could easily mean this too. So, um, with, I mean, there's, it's, both of these films showed how little I knew about the Mexican culture. Like, instantly was like, oh, 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 oh. I am a privileged white kid. <laughs> cool. I think that's the the theme of the past three years. <laughs> God, yeah, pretty much. I'm a privileged white privileged white kid. You have it worse. You're a privileged white male. I'm sorry for you. You don't have any disabilities at all. This is a cross I must bear. Yeah. So, um, let's talk about the visuals a little bit more because I want to get onto the visuals. And then I want to get on the characters, and then I want to just finally just come out and say which one we liked more. I don't know if you've been listening. We've kind of been doing that this whole time. What do I you know. want to talk about? Well, I specifically, like, with the visuals, I want to talk about how 
uh, how amazing both of the visuals were and how vastly different they were. Uh, with Pixar, you had that very clean, very grounded in reality animation, fluid, just style. Um, you know, even when they're in uh, the Land of the Dead, uh, the main character uh, actually slowly is becoming dead or is becoming a skeleton. And it's subtly like his finger is just showing through. It's not showing the tenants. It's not showing the blood, uh, the veins or anything He's like back that. to the futuring it. Exactly. It's just going straight to the bone. So, but it's still like kind of jarring but it's kind of fun whenever you see that because it's subtle it's not like it's just like boom his his skeleton finger it's it's actually like fading out the opacity is going down um and uh with the 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 block skeleton or not block skeletons block puppets of the original one um uh, jorge gutierrez has a very distinctive style book of life is is graphically interesting it's got graphic, bold angles. Yeah. It's it's not Pixar. <laughs> it's it, its own style. Yeah, and he has a very distinctive style. If you if you watched El Tigre at all, and you watch this movie, you're like, oh yeah, that's definitely the same guy. Or if you watch this movie, and then you're like, well, let me go check out the show, you'll definitely see the, the similarities. It He loves curves, like over-accentuated curves, and he loves sharp angles. Mm-hmm. Um again a very mexican that's something that i feel like book of life taps into that pixar doesn't because in the end regardless of the directors and any you know cultural team that worked on it it has to be a disney pixar branded movie first you can only go so far within that brand whereas book of life uh these characters feel like they're cut out from those little paper flags they feel like they're things that you would see in a Mexican street cart when you were at a Day of the Dead festival. Yeah. It all feels like it is it belongs there. It's part of it. And um the character design I I can tell whenever he had to really rein himself in on the character design. Cause like the main characters, like the main three characters are fairly simplistic. Um the main female character is a little bit more fun, but the main two are basically the same with different heads yeah to do your your leading man leading lady style you can't go too crazy until you get to your side characters with a over accentuation of heads or bodies and again that's where you see his style come in especially with like the like the huge bodies huge circular bodies and like little arms like little piggish arms like and then like over accentuated noses and chins and stuff like that that is jorge gutierrez's style uh, but there's a lot of zaniness, the very quick, uh, quick-witted humor, um, uh, quick shots, and uh, a lot of uh, pratfalls and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, again, it's slapstick. Yeah, it's 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 way more slapstick than now. Coco has its slapstick moment, slapstick moments, but not nearly as much as Book of Life. Book of Life is like completely unafraid of doing that. Book of Life, I find surprisingly gives its family members a whole lot of heart right up front almost to the protagonist's detriment i was completely on the side of his family from the get-go and i feel like i was supposed to be on the side of the protagonist as a young boy who feels like his family is controlling him but when i heard the story of well her husband left her to pursue his art and she was sad 
But then she bucked up and she made a business and she raised her daughter single-handedly and she has a whole family now. And I'm like, go you! You were the matriarch of this yes, family. Queen, yes. You made this family your own. And so when the boy's like, I want to go be a musician, I'm like, dude, your grandma did absolutely everything for this family. You will you will hush your mouth. <laughs> Child, listen here. Like, And then I- even in the middle of the movie when he's running down the alleys and his grandma who was this great grandma who was long past is in the land of the remembered and she's chasing him trying to get him to come back and get him back home so he lives he's running and she sings to him a beautiful song uh and she and, she, and she's supposed to hate singing she's supposed to hate music yeah. and he looks back at her like what are you doing he's like i love music that's why i fell in love with your a grandfather that's why I had to cut it out of my life because it literally tore our family apart. I don't want that to happen to you. And he's like, nah, and runs. And I I kept losing all my sympathy for him as this little punk kid who just wants to to find his famous dad and be a musician. I don't know. (laughs) And that's the thing, too, is like I completely understand uh, both sides. Like... I, I'm rooting for him to finally meet his great-grandfather to realize his destiny and, you know, set on his own path. But at the same time, I'm like, I kind of hope they catch him and talk some damn sense into this kid. Maybe we're too old to watch these movies anymore. No. The minute you start agreeing with the parents in a Disney movie, that is the moment <laughs> that you are old. Oh, uh, yeah, sweetheart. We're definitely the old people now. Oh, no. I was so, trying so hard to not be. So, um, you know, I've uh, stroked Jorge Gutierrez's <laughs> ego enough, but I gotta stroke Pixar's ego a little bit. I remember at one point I leaned over to you in like in the middle of one scene. I'm just like, all the skulls. And I was wondering what he meant, and then you look back at the landscape shot and you realize that there are <sighs> hidden skulls everywhere, like hidden Mickeys. They're yeah. Just, everywhere showing like, up. It's like the door handle, a skull. Like, the way the door uh, is open and the shadows are cast down through the windows, skull. It's like any possible place you could possibly have a skull, there's a skull. And it's not beat you in the face with it. As Book of Life could be just a little bit. It's so much more. Like, like you look in, like you look in the distance and like the haziness of like one building and another building and a couple smaller buildings below it and like the light how the light is shining it's a fucking skull it's just like holy shit did they take some uh like someone their background artist was like we're gonna put we're gonna do we're gonna have so much fun with all this. the skulls all the skulls that's why i really do like the concept of dia de la muerta the day of the dead i like it because it takes this thing this dark scary thing that comes to us all and instead turns on its head and says death is not the end we can we are here among all of our family and they all can come to us in this one day and we all get to be together and hang out and sing songs and tell stories and eat good food and just be together and marry and there's something really nice about the idea that you know if you know if Tim Burton did something about death and skulls, it'd be dark and depressing. Whereas this 
everyone is a bag of bones and they're all lively and upbeat. Even in the real world, it's not like a Tim Burton project where it's all gray and dull and then the afterlife. I, it's no Corpse Bride. I like that, though. I like that contrast in I do, Bride. too, but it's nice to be refreshing where it's like, it's not like the real world is just such a drudge, such a dreariness. It's... No, it's really nice here, and then it's completely nice over there too. I'd rather it be like that than you just want to have hope for the for the next. I next just part. have what so is... much hope. <laughs> What's the uh, someone much wiser than I said uh, that death is just the next adventure? <laughs> to die would be a great adventure. Death uh, is the only adventure. But the uh, the it both of these movies tackle this subject in in different but effective ways um you know they they both tackle the themes of family of finding your own de- uh, path of knowing your heart or following your heart and and essentially book of life is a romance story with some action and you know uh, other stuff thrown in and coco is more of just an action adventure kind of romp so um i liked both of these movies i liked coco a lot more than i was expecting i would because i was like oh coco is just gonna be it's just gonna be a ripoff of book of life and i love book of life excuse me um you know i was i I didn't think i was gonna like it all and i came out of it i'm like i like that a lot (laughs) i liked both of them too i was very worried about that i think the nice thing is that clearly we did get different interpretations in the moment from both of these movies because when i left coco i i really enjoyed myself and i enjoyed the movie and it wasn't upon it wasn't until further like okay if i'm gonna compare these two i'm gonna compare these two when you sit down to think about it that's when it suddenly becomes like this is the same movie but your initial impression is not that and that's worthwhile. Yeah. That means that they did something, at least one or two things right. Mm-hmm. And that being said, Aaron, which is the better movie? And we can't judge it by crying, because every Pixar movie makes oh us cry. Oh, my God. We're just little buckets I, of tears. I swear to God, it's like Pixar has a personal mission out to make me cry at the end of every fucking movie. Toy Story 3 because it's the end of childhood or uh, WALL-E because they make it back home and the damn Peter Gabriel song um, or with this one with the last five fucking minutes. Yeah, the beauty of Coco's ending is the, the, the tears you're shedding are for the characters who are alive and yeah. the ones who are dead. It's not in a, you know, we have a character who's about to be forgotten completely, and there's a ticking clock on this thing, and he's trying to rush back and get him, get his grandmother, great-grandmother to remember, and uh, the real joy of that is that at the end, she's died too, but she's finally with her father and mother, and that's the real, like, that's, that's, it's, um, uh, there's a word... It's a made-up word. It's not a real world. But the the joy tragedy of Pixar. Yeah. You marry a completely tragic... No, no, no. Because it's not funny. It's joy and tragedy. It's the, it's the complete sheer... The fine sheer... line between um, happiness and rage. 
or was it from rage a, and serenity and you yeah. always muck that up damn it yeah you have this the sadness of oh my god that means that his great-grandmother is dead and she's passed on but then you see because of that she now is reunited with the rest of her family and they still get to see each other a once father a that year. she never really got to know exactly it's really beautiful and i think pixar does a really good job of merging those two elements together so we can't i feel like we can't judge which movie did it better by which one made us cry yeah they I feel got like our that would buttons be... they've got our buttons man i i feel like uh like uh pixar has way too much of an advantage in that area so so going off of the story the the division the direction and um even the music which would you say you would prefer you know, with many movies, I feel like the good judge is whether I'd watch it again. And for me, I would watch Book of Life again over Coco. Like, it, I get what you're saying with that, but I, I feel it's a little unfair because I would watch both of them again. Yes. What I'm saying is that there are fun moments... Fun characters, fun design. I like the conceit of the story within a story. I like our main characters and our secondary main characters and our third main characters. Tertiary main characters. There are so many characters. Quadratic main characters. You never feel like you're getting lost in any of it. Um, And again, I think it has to do with, even though it's it's not because it's a romance and one's about a young boy. It's not that. More so that... It's the story of a young man coming to grips with his place in his family. Again, I could be talking about either movie at that point. Yeah. Uh, the idea, you know, I've always really appreciated the whole I would travel to Helen back to save her sort of aspect of everything. This great quest that he goes on to to save her. And in a way that uh, makes the other bro- the other boy not a villain at all in any respect in fact probably the most sympathetic of the characters that we come across the the person who doesn't get the girl but doesn't let that define him doesn't go gaston yeah he doesn't get angry doesn't become a, a villain the villain in book of life is is one of those just big lurking threats and he's not important the important part is our characters our main characters figuring this out uh as part of this great cosmic bet he's like the the void or the the darkness the nothing the nothing from a uh uh never ending story which so, by the way i've never seen never ending story me either okay that may be something we gotta watch that makes two of us um as far as coco goes again i find it hard with it being the second one all of the great visuals of coco we're done already in Book of Life. Eh, I, I know that you. But... I know that you said, "Oh, there's this and that." Like everything you said, all existed in Book of Life. I, I like the fun concepts. I think for me, it was that Coco telegraphed itself, and I don't. I expect Pixar movies to not telegraph themselves anymore. They've gotten so good where you don't know where the story will go. Or if you do, you like where the story is heading and you're not afraid to go that journey with it. <laughs> yeah, and it's that's the thing too, is I I I saw the path, but I wanted to continue along with it with Coco. It's the same problem with Frozen. 
so many good elements. I liked a lot of it. But then you get to the end of the second act twist. And I don't like this twist, and I didn't like Frozen's twist either. It'd be so much more compelling if we don't have characters just go full villain. So much more compelling if we just have characters experiencing weakness or hidden strength and how to deal with that on a personal level as opposed to, well, I just want power now, so you're going to die and you're going to go in a pit and you're going to freeze and you're going to drown and I now have all the power. And I feel it, it keeps happening again and again. I think Disney's trying to shake the roots. You can't have it both ways. You can't have no villain and then villain. You're not going to get memorable villains that way. You're not going to get a Jafar by having everyone be reasonable for the first two thirds, and all of a sudden being like, "Wait, no, you're a hidden murderer." <laughs> I mean, you had a you had a damn villain the whole time, and you just chose to kind of ignore it. The Duke of Weaselton. Weaselton. Yeah, Weaselton. Like again, that's the idea of Book of Life. The villain is irrelevant at that point. The villain is actually to highlight how the how one of the boys the one played by Channing Tatum, has been so good at fighting and being in the army this whole time because he was given this medallion that gave him invulnerability. And that's what brought disaster upon their town because this giant guy was like, oh my god, you found my amulet? I gotta go ransack this town and get it back. So yeah. it was his own hubris that led to the problems that the characters have to face. Again, that's much more compelling than Oh, and now I'm bad because you see I killed someone once and... Again, how much more interesting would have been to be like, the twist happens and you realize, oh, you're not my grandfather, but I want you to be my grandfather and I would love to be your, you know, grandson. We've, we've kinda bonded. Like kind of like a Mamma Mia. I have two grandfathers now. Kind of, except not because no to Mamma Mia. You no know, to Mamma Mia 2. Oh no my God. No to whoever thought you could get back Mamma Mia without Meryl Streep. <laughs> Not only does it try, is it trying to get away with no Meryl Streep, it's adding someone in completely unnecessary. It's also trying to be quasi prequel. Uh, I hate the prequel. I hate the prequel. I hate the prequel. Yeah, Star Wars kind of ruined the prequel for me forever. Uh. I can't do Rogue One. Uh, I can't do midquels, prequels. It's it's so much fan fiction, and I get really tired of it. Let's let's hop back into the uh, <laughs> original point before we keep going off on that ta- tangent. Um, I so the uh, last thing I the last sorry there was one last thing we hadn't talked about yet. I really do like the story that is revealed about the grandfather who left the family and never came back. I like that he is redeemed. I like that yeah. he wrote this story for his daughter, which ends up being the thing that gets the song. Yeah, the song. Yeah, the remember song. me. Yeah, it, which was a beautiful. It's a beautiful song. It yeah. absolutely was gorgeous, and it's and like sweet. if you listen to the lyrics, it makes sense that it would actually be about a father who has to travel for his job, but is trying to get back. Remember me. I will be back for you. Yeah, it's not. It's yeah. It's not about a guy wanting fans. It's not about a man wanting a girl. Yep. It's about a father and daughter, which is so beautiful. And I like that he is redeemed with his family, both living and dead. I like that his his arc is redeemed in a way that he did do the bad thing. But he did try to fix it. Yeah, and it's and it's that's where that's that fine line that the Disney trope walks. It's like, like you want them to be redeemed, but it, it was a cop out of how they got redeemed, or they, that they were gonna get redeemed, but they didn't. It's, it's a real 
real fine line that they tread and they do it very well at times especially like with this movie here mm-hmm. so which one did you like best <sighs> i'd like the visuals for book of life i thought the visuals for coco were more cohesive and more thought out i liked the story for book of life um because of the kind of originality of it um the uh it does kind of have a weird pacing issue at times where it rushes and it slows rushes and it slows um and i i think coco has it it has a nice uh consistent flow throughout most of it it has its faults and especially in pacing as well there's i remember there's like two points where it's paced really weird um the characters in book of life were probably overall better but i related more to the coco ones that being said I still have to go Book of Life. You're agreeing with me. I I liked Coco probably more than you did. I think Coco is a good movie. Um, it's definitely better than some of the some some other Pixar properties. Yes, it's not. I mean, God, how many Pixar movies has there been so far? But like, is I don't it, know if it's top five. Is it, it a Monsters maybe, Inc? See, that's the thing. Like, Monsters, Inc. is never in everyone, anyone's top five. And I love Monsters, Inc. I did, too. I thought it was a great movie. You know, but you'll, you'll find not, this a lot. It's not a top five Pixar movie. You'll find this a lot in my particular reviews of movies. I really appreciate when it's a a father-daughter, father-son dynamic. Because huh, I wonder why. <laughs> like, or even father-son. Just, I like the idea of, of parent-to-parent not like real parents, like adopted parents, adopted children, where Sully has to take care of this little human girl and yeah. ends up growing on her. Um, Jim Hawkins and Long John Silver. I like the adopted relationship. That's more a lot more natural because with... Or I'm not saying you liking it is more natural. The The growth of the relationships are more natural. Because if you have to play on real so. families, it's the story of... You don't understand me. You don't know what it's like. And I hate that story to death. So, yeah. Like, I could see this movie being in the top, breaking the top ten of best Pixar movies. Mm-hmm. How it ends, the the importance of the overall story, the way the story goes, all of it is good. The music, like I, like I said, I think they did a little bit of a better job with the music. Though, that being said, I still prefer Book of Life. Book of Life, the zaniness is so much more zany. It so it, it is almost fearless in how zany is in it. it is in it. Guillermo del Toro plays a wife of a, uh, like a security guard for the land of the dead that has to chase after her husband. That alone is a huge selling point. It's like a two-line part, but still, that is a huge selling point right there. Um, Diego Luna, Zoe Zaldana, and even Channing Tatum, as the main three people, they have to act through 
not like they have depth to the characters but not nearly enough and they manage to take that depth and run with it all three of them do a good job and it's solid performances on each we've talked about that before that a simple story can evoke the greatest emotional response yeah you don't have to get heavily complex and and that's where coco suffers a little bit it goes a little too complex book of life is still complex in what the story or how the story is told but the story in its basis is a love story a love for family a love for friends and a love for a significant other i just boiled it down to what it is about coco it's about all that but it's also a story whose heart is compromised i feel like yeah and that's see that's that's the core reason of why I like Book of Life better. They understand their concept more. And even though they do Compromise is an interesting centerpiece, to be sure, but not nearly as instantly latch on and emotionally relatable as love or family or acceptance or forgiveness. Compromise is a difficult message to parse. And they do make compromises but i don't think they do either like like in the end the family just buy it looks like he just they just bought him mariachi gear i mean i'm sure he's using it but it's like yeah it's like what real lesson did he learn in the end he got what he wanted now it's not an aerial situation (laughs) where he didn't learn any lessons i i felt like he did he grew He he grew from a kid that you know had his guitar broken the whole reason he had to go steal uh, de la cruz's guitar uh and you know getting from meeting that and understanding the true importance of family and remembering all of your family members not just the ones who are still around so that is a it's a great concept and a great kind of central core for a movie but I still like Book of Life more. And as I, usual, I'm going to be interested in those people who saw Coco first and then Book of Life. For us, I think we're a bit biased. A little, but we, like I said, we, you and I both try to go into it. We weren't expecting that much and we came out with a good understanding of it. So, um, but even then I still like book of more book of life more. Um, I think just honestly there, even for its faults, it is a stronger overall movie. Um, I, I think Jorge Gutierrez does not get as much appreciation, especially for like El Tigre. El Tigre was a great concept for a, uh, like a superhero kids cartoon. So um and plus his visual style is so neat i love that just insane curves and shapes and um angles and everything like that so um i would honestly say check out both of these but our i guess you and i are in agreement that book of life is better than coco yeah and again it's not because coco's bad it's not i think I think from this review, you can tell that these are two really similar properties. It's kind of a Ants versus Bugs Life, uh, um, Shark Tale versus uh, Finding Nemo. Now, see, with those, there were 
pretty clear winners. Yeah, this one, it didn't feel that way. There wasn't an inferior product here. Yeah. Um, both had different goals and achieved them in different ways, but both have really similar thematic elements, character elements, plot elements, enough so to make it comparable. And I do wonder, again, privileged by people that we are, uh, these were all, these are stories and designs created by Mexican creators. I wonder if this is the most marketable part of Mexican culture to tell white American audiences. That's that's probably a pretty good insight. Now, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Because if we're thinking about it, if we think about any Mexican culture movie animated for children, you know, will it always be about, well, we'll do Day of the Dead. Because Day of the Dead is a concept we can explain. It's religious, but not too religious. It's important to our culture, but it's not every day. It's marketable. It's got sugar skulls. It's got decorations. So is it that these stories keep getting told about this particular event and these particular stories because it's just the most palatable? Um, possibly. Um, I think... Because as you and I both real came to realize after watching both of these movies that we didn't understand as much about Mexican culture as we thought we knew, or you know we knew some and we were educated more. Thank you, but... Pixar, for throwing in Spanish words without immediately saying the same word in English, so that we had to use context clues to figure out what the word meant. <laughs> it makes us feel smart. When you say ofrenda enough, we figure out it means altar. You don't have to use the word altar. Thank you. Yeah, and we're not Dora the Explorer up yeah. in here. So. Um, but I, I think it's not just the most marketable, but it's the easiest concept that comes from the Mexican culture for every culture to appreciate or understand like with irish culture there are so many other things with ireland besides like leprechauns and saint patrick's day but that's the one that always gets told exactly so it, it's easy it, it's an easy subject but they didn't just take the easy route on either of these movies no they went so 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 much better than that so um truth be told great movies both of them yes do i agree that coco deserved the damn golden globes absolutely not there and, were yeah. two so much better movies we out will there. be talking about one of those next week if you were at well, the... maybe we may have to take a break between the two because we've got a we've got a uh a fan request That's that we've right. been pushing off and we will probably have to do that this weekend. Well, I love this. If you did watch the Golden Globes, if if you're like us, you watch the Golden Globes or an award show, and they get to foreign films, and you're like, but what are those even about? Who even watches them? Or if you've ever seen the animated category and seen so many animated movies that aren't a Disney movie, and be like, well, what are those? We watched one of them, and it was really good. We watched, uh, I think, uh, of the four nominated, we watched three of the four. Yeah, and we like, we like Coco, we like Book of Life, but the movie that got snubbed that we're going to discuss next time leaps and bounds more important and relevant and better so, than these guys. Animation style was really, really neat. They they took a lot of, um, not leaps of faith, but chances. They took a lot of chances and 
almost all of them paid off, if not all of them. Yeah, we're talking about, like, Coco and Book of Life being marketable. This is not a marketable nope, movie. Not it is not slightly. made to sell toys to your kids. It is not even made for children. This is a movie that uses the language of youth and animation to tell a really hard and gripping story. And it was more worthwhile of attention, I'm sorry, than a Pixar movie, especially Coco. And, like, I'm I'm a huge Pixar, Pixar fanboy. Like, I still... Wally still gets me. Yes. Uh, we were trying to watch a YouTube video about Wally, and I'm like, I can't watch this because I just want to watch Wally now. Well, I think, and he was right. We won't go too in depth, but the idea behind Wally is that, as with most good movies that I tend to like, it's not a villain. Yeah. It's it, it's it's these programs. It's this community. That's the important part. Not that there's a big bad, or that there's a twist that there's a big bad. Yeah, like it, it, like Wally has a minor twist, but even then, it's really small. So the truth be told, it Pixar usually produces pretty high quality stuff. This was high quality. Yes. Um, like I, we actually still have yet to see uh, Cars three, but Cars three looked interesting. I did want to watch have, it, but I wasn't sure how they were going to treat it. I have bad news. It's the first movie all over again. That's that's what I thought. But I was but hoping it'd be something if more. If you watch the first movie and like were a bit of a fan of it, like I kind of was, not like a full fledged fan, yes. but I did play the PSP uh, game of it for, for a little while. Um, but like the, the, the we for, forget the first one was not hateable until Cars Two came out, and then it retroactively made us all hate Cars. Because well. if you go back and watch it, it's still a decent film. It's kind of fun. It's about finding out what your true destiny is or that there's things to life than this one area of your Road life. Road less traveled. Yep. Yeah, I was really hoping that Cars 3 from the crazy trailer that it showed that was teaser. actually was going to be a story of like recovery and depression. Like yeah, I thought it was going to be something like that. They kind of just do the first movie all over again with a young car so yeah it's well, not nearly as yeah. hopeful as that little depressing trailer made it out to be but i didn't think pixar was actually going to make something about a car dealing with addiction and depression and moving on to greener pastures but if you think about it too there's there's a weird kind of connection throughout all of this um i cannot remember what the first movie in the name of the first movie was but there was a movie where paul Shit, what was his last name? Newman. Paul Newman played a pool hustler back in like the fifties or sixties. Like he, like it, it was a fairly well-known movie, and then he starred as the same character, but in a completely different movie. Um, in a movie with Tom Cruise, kind of almost handing over the the reins, and then he was in. Then he was, you know, the Hudson Hornet. In um, uh, the first cars, and where he quote unquote handed over the reins to this faster new car, kind of teaching him, mentoring him, and then, in a way, because I haven't seen Cars three yet, but if Owen Wilson's character hands over the reins, it's kind of a weird like Jedi Master handing it down to the apprentice type thing. I agree, and that is pretty much what happens but the problem is he loses all the character growth from the first one to make that happen in the third one and that's yeah there's the issue right there so um 
Maybe we'll watch Cars 3 and we'll talk about it, but probably not. Probably not. So, uh, we've got uh, next week, um, I, I'm, I'm calling it now, we have a fan request that we've put off for way too long. Um, we will record that um, and have some... Uh, and be able to put that out and then we will talk about this this other set that we want to do because this other set absolutely deserves to be talked about um but the thing is we've been putting that other movie off for way too long and i'm like so, i've got um, it we've got to talk about it so like you can see we are in season two if you ever want to catch them of season one you can find us on facebook at married to the idea Twitter at married number two the idea, email us at married to the idea review at d- reviews at gmail dot com, or if you forget any of those, just go to our website marriage the idea dot com, and you can find uh, all those links as well as descriptions and links to every episode, which is on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, and I want to present two. Um two questions to the fans for this one even though we've gotten no responses i'm still gonna ask these until it gets until well it we already a had a fan request for our next episode so maybe people will have more fan requests as we go along we just gotta see if people actually make it to the end we talk um, too much is that what you're saying uh, possibly we uh but i i put out two questions to uh, you guys the fans a if you've seen both movies what movie do you prefer or if you've only seen one or the other what did you think of that movie and b way 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 off subject something that has pissed me off uh since last sunday uh the movie ladybird won for best comedy at slash musical in the golden globes and it's not a goddamn comedy in my opinion because apparently the Golden Globes thinks otherwise. Are you upset with the way that movies have to be categorized in order for lesser known films to win against powerhouse giants? If that does, if you're kind of like met on that, Get Out was also classified as a comedy slash musical. Though I'm extremely happy that James Franco won for him playing Tommy Wiseau. I am the disaster just artist. happy that Tommy Wiseau was on stage at the Golden Globes. It's such delicious irony. I could taste it with a spoon. It and the thing is, is like James Franco never made him out to be like a caricature or like no. like a, a character. He played him out to be this person. He is this, that way. This this human that we think that <sighs> is that honestly believes the the ways that he believes and like. God, he... Oh, uh, the depth. I loved that Guillermo del Toro won for Shape of Water, which we did see. Oh, my God. Shape of Water we, was so good. We may never... I, I don't think we have I to know. review that. It was gorgeous. Go here, watch it. Here, here's Don't our, take your teenage brother with you. Oh, my God. It's not the movie for that. Idea. Don't do it. This ain't Pan's Labyrinth, nope. guys. This Pan's Labyrinth, you probably shouldn't take your no, teenage No, but there, there, are, there are different reasons for that. But Shape of Water was beautiful. Guillermo del Toro won, and he deserves it as a creator of a different... Uh, of, of different storytelling technique he deserves it but natalie portman was also correct there are only male directors nominated even though the director of lady bird is a woman and her movie won 
but she wasn't even her nominated. Her movie won for the wrong category. But she wasn't even nominated. She and was that's not even nominated. Where the hypocrisy of Hollywood there's, there's runs deep. There's still hypocrisy. They, it, uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, and sexism will not be destroyed in a day. We have to keep working at it. We have to keep chipping it away. Keep using the hashtag of me too and time's up. Keep fighting for the rights and keep pushing forward. It's not going to happen in one day. It happens every day. You're such an inspiration, babe. That's right. <laughs> Anyways, check our things out. Listen to our old episodes. Send us emails. All that good junk. But until then, she's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea.